This episode of the American Birding Podcast is brought to you by Land, Sea, and Sky. Since 1940, birders have turned to the optics experts at Land, Sea, and Sky to purchase just the right pair of binoculars for their birding adventures. The shop has hundreds of binoculars and spotting scopes in stock, an industry-leading 90-day return policy, and experienced staff to lend you a helping hand. Drive by their shop in Houston or visit them anytime at LandSeaSkyCo.com. Hello and welcome to the American Birding Podcast from the American Birding Association. I'm your host, Nate Swick. Uh, happy birthday to us! It was two years ago that the American Birding Podcast began, a project that was a long time in the making and it has come to you every other week since. That is a great source of pride to me personally that we haven't missed an episode yet, even if I haven't been able to be a part of every single one. Uh, as I said around this time last year, it is immensely gratifying to hear from you all about what you like about this podcast. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for contacting me. Thanks for leaving ratings and reviews at the podcast service of your choice. Thanks for helping to make this thing a success. If you want to see the reach of the American Birding Podcast, to be, and to be clear, I'm not sure that this is really evidence of our vast reach, but I'm just going to take it anyway because no one else has. Uh, you take a look at the first batch of taxonomic proposals sent to the American Ornithological Society's Classification Committee, which is, of course, the group of ornithologists who make decisions on splits, lumps, names, and whose decisions we eagerly await every summer. The first batch of proposals for 2019 came out earlier this year and includes some stuff that we've discussed on the podcast before, namely Ted Floyd and my discussion on common names. You may recall that one year ago that Ted and I talked about honorific names and specifically about their possessive form. Ted, iconoclast that he is, was against them. I was ambivalent, but I'm generally not a fan of honorifics anyway. He proposes to discontinue the use of the possessive Cooper's hawk becomes Cooper hawk. Wilson's warbler becomes Wilson warbler, etc. So he went ahead and uh, proposed that to the American Ornithological Society. So we'll see what comes of that. There was also a proposal to change the subspecific name of the red-shafted flicker from Kafer to Lathami, Lathami, uh, by virtue of the former being a, well, unbeknownst to me, a widely used slur in the old world. Uh, we talked about that sort of thing as well. The not-so-distant-in-the-past example being Old Squaw to Long-Tailed Duck. I'm not going to go too deeply into those proposals. I, I wrote about them on the ABA blog this week. Uh, personally, I'm, I'm fairly agnostic on the first and generally in favor of the second, but it's you know clear that the American Birding Podcast is truly a tastemaker in the birding world. You are welcome. Keep that in mind when you listen to this week's interview. On the show, I am going to respond to some messages that I've received in the last few weeks. It's an end-of-the-year mailbag. But first, Nick Lund sees birds everywhere, and I don't just mean in the field, but literally everywhere, uh, even in your Google Maps. He's with me to talk about all of that. It was a really fun discussion, and it's all after this week's Rare Birds and a message from President Jeff Gordon. This is your Rare Bird Focus for the very end of November, first part of December. I will note that this will be the last Rare Bird Focus of 2018. We do have an episode ready to go for the end of the year, but that is the week of Christmas. Uh, we'll have it all put together well beforehand, and it will be missing the Rare Bird Focus. So sorry about that. I will get you caught up in the first episode of 2019, and I will have a lot to talk about if that period is anything like this past one. 
So I'll start by noting that the Great Black Hawk, recently of Texas, then of Maine, then gone for a while, was found again. And no, it wasn't in Iceland yet. It looks like it has settled down in a public park in Portland, Maine, where it has been terrorizing the local squirrels. But that wasn't even the craziest hawk news of the period. For that, we go to Alaska, specifically St. Paul in the Bering Sea. The birding guides who spent the summer up there have left the island, but there are resident birders there in recent years. And one, uh, Barbara Lestenkoff has an incredible track record for finding amazing birds in the latter part of the year. And she found a real doozy this year when she photographed a hawk on St. Paul. This hawk looks to be one of the European beautios, and the consensus seems that it is possibly a long-legged buzzard, which is a Central Asian species, which would obviously be a first ABA area record and a first record of any Old World beautio in North America. A wild record, and just an aside, it is so cool to see birding rubbing off on people who live on these islands year-round. Most of them are Alaskan native people. If you're familiar with the gamble birding scene, St. Lawrence Island, uh, Clarence Irigu has been making a name for himself for several years as an excellent bird finder and photographer. Barbara is of that same mold. Uh, she has an eye for things that are different, and she is a fine photographer, too. You may recall that she found and photographed North America's first black kite only two years ago. She found a way to one-up that. Other first records of note, a pair of eastern bluebirds found on an abandoned golf course in Portland, Oregon, represents a first for that species in that state, also a first on the west coast. It's pretty noteworthy when Oregon gets a new species that hasn't been seen in California first. Uh, Newfoundland's first provincial record of golden-crowned sparrow was seen at a feeder in Renews. It seems like we're seeing more of this species in the east, perhaps one to keep an eye out for. Also in the same area, a Ross's Gull was seen offshore in Rockingham, New Hampshire, uh, which is a bit of a surprising state first there. I, I didn't expect that to be a first, but that species is notoriously enigmatic. And in Wisconsin, an apparent Hammond's flycatcher in Iowa County would represent a state first there. Uh, this is but a taste of the rarity landscape in the ABA area for the period. For the whole thing, check out the ABA blog every Friday, uh, blog.aba.org, or join the ABA Rare Bird Alert Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash ABA Rare. You can also follow us on Twitter at ABA Bird Alert. I'm Jeff Gordon, president of the American Birding Association and executive producer of this podcast. Not only is the American Birding Podcast celebrating its second birthday, the ABA itself is turning 50 in 2019. It's just amazing how time goes by, isn't it? Nate, John, Greg, David, and I, and all the staff at the ABA deeply appreciate your support, which allows us to do what we love, bring you great things that birders enjoy and find useful and inspiring. So if you're a fan of the podcast and other ABA programs, I am asking you to remember three simple words here at year's end. Join, give, travel. Join. If you haven't yet joined the ABA, or even if you have and are looking for a great holiday gift for a friend or family member, membership in the ABA greatly helps us amplify the voices and carry forward the interests of birders and birds. To join or give a gift membership, simply go to aba.org join. Give. As a 501c3 nonprofit, Donations, large and small, are absolutely critical to the ABA's survival and make all the difference in what we are able to do and provide to you and the birding community. 
You can help by making a tax-deductible donation at aba.org give. Travel. The ABA offers a small number of carefully designed and selected birding travel opportunities each year, where you'll get to be in the field with ABA staff and friends in some truly wonderful places. In 2019, we have trips planned to Arizona in January, Thailand in February, West Virginia over Labor Day weekend, Colombia in July, and Hawaii in September. And we're even going to Antarctica in November of 2020. Travel with the ABA, and not only will you have a great birding vacation, you'll support and actually take part in the work of building a bigger, stronger, more inclusive, and effective birding community. Just go to aba.org travel to find out more. And if you want to call on the phone, that's fine too. Give us a ring at 800-850-2473. That, of course, is 800-850-BIRD-2473. Again, thanks for listening. And even more, thanks for doing what you are able to help us keep working towards our mission to inspire all people to enjoy and protect wild birds. Good birding, and may all the joys and blessings of the season come to you as birds to a feeder before a snowstorm, abundantly and in great variety. Birds are everywhere. They are in your movies and TV shows, on your sports team logos, even in your Google Street View. There are a myriad of ways that your interest in birds can manifest itself beyond time in the field. Maybe no one knows that better than Nick Lund. He is the birdist on his own blog of the same name and on social media, frequent contributor to National Audubon and Ray Brown's Talking Birds, and he works with outreach with Maine Audubon. He is with me at long last to talk about birds and non-bird places, what he calls birds at large. Nick, it is a pleasure. Welcome. Nate Zwick. Happy to be here. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Uh, congratulations on the Great Blackhawk. I saw that you finally... Uh, did you move to Maine just to see the Great Blackhawk? I knew you used to, yeah, to live in Yeah, I have no DC. interest in being here at all. I just heard this <laughs> hawk was around and, and yeah. made it work. Yeah. No, man, I'm still, I'm still buzzing. Uh, yeah. This bird... Which really, there's no, uh, this nothing like this has ever happened for, as far as I'm concerned. A rarity of this magnitude disappearing yeah. for long stretches of time so far away from, from and still alive in yeah. the snow. No, it's insane. Uh, yeah. It was seen this morning in Deering Oaks Park in downtown <laughs> Portland. So, so is uh, it going to like hang out in this downtown Portland park for all winter? Nobody knows. <laughs> nobody, nobody knows, knows where yeah. it's been, where it's been. It could have been here for, you know, since the last sighting a month ago. Yeah. Uh, nobody knows. So you got to get here now, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, assuming it's this, the, um, the same bird, you know, I'm, I'm still, I still think that it's possible that there are like lots of great Blackhawks traveling from Mexico to Maine. It's this pattern of right. vagrancy here. Yeah. Prove me wrong. Right. <laughs> it could be, you know, Portland, Maine was just voted the city of the year from Bon Appetit. Oh, that, uh, there you, you know go. Culinary tourism is big now, and so it might be up here just uh, trying to find some new restaurants. Yeah, makes sense. I totally buy that. Yeah. So, so what is it about birds as sort of filtered through popular culture and graphic design that, that interests you? Yeah. Part of it was because I didn't really have another way to look at birds. <laughs> uh, I, I started birding at sort of a weird age for a young birder, which was my senior year of college, uh, which means that I was younger than most birders out right. there yeah. but too old to do what a lot of young birders do which is take science classes and become a biologist or something mm -hmm. like that uh and so i you know caught the bug hard um at the end of my senior year of college 
but didn't really have anything to do with it. I didn't know any birders. I didn't, I couldn't take any science classes anymore because I was graduating. Um, and so I was just sort of thrown into this world um, with no uh, friends or mentors uh, and no <laughs> science background at all. All I had was sort of birds in pop culture, birds that I saw around movies and TV and, and sports teams and things like that. Uh, and so that was the frame that I, that I had to, to sort of interact with birds. You know, it became interesting because once I started learning about birds and becoming a birder, I realized, you know, how terribly birds were represented in larger <laughs> culture and yeah. how much ignorance and yeah. just um, lack of care and consideration given to birds um, in TV and movies and all around us. And uh, I just naturally started ridiculing that, I guess. <laughs> so what was the first time you noticed birds outside of that birding context? Wow, great question. Um, it was probably sp uh, sports teams. I grew yeah. up a big baseball fan. Right. And so, um, you know, there are a surprising number, I think, of of bird uh, sports teams out yeah. there. Uh, and I think it's doubly surprising, especially in baseball, because they're not the sort of standard. I mean, there are teams like Eagles and, and Falcons. Mm -hmm. But in baseball, it's teams like Blue Jays and Orioles. <laughs> yeah, they're all perching birds. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, perching <laughs> birds, not a mighty mascot or, yeah, right. or animals. And so I really actually dig that um, and and like the fact that um, these places chose symbols that represented them or I guess or uh, otherwise creatures that they liked. Um, yeah. And so I sort of dove in that way. Um, of course, there's lots of other uh, and in baseball, actually, the, the, the birds are represented probably better than any other sport. Yeah, you know, blue logos are pretty respectful. Uh, Orioles, Baltimore Orioles. You know, being the only sports team that actually has a spe full species name um, right. gets an A plus for me. Yeah. Um, but we're getting into, you know, Philadelphia Eagles, which is just a terrible green logo. <laughs> there aren't any green Eagles. Yeah. Yeah, there are zero green Eagles. <laughs> um, it gets worse and worse. And so that yeah. was, I think, you know, I, I think sports teams are probably the way that the largest number of people interact with birds, whether they even yeah. think about it or not. Yeah. Um, you have millions of people wearing or Orioles logos and, mm -hmm. and all kinds of bird stuff. Yeah. The Orioles seem to have gone like two directions with it. They have like the, the crazy cartoony Oriole that they yeah. have, that they seems to be in vogue right now. And then for a long time in like the nineties and the, in the aughts, they, um, they had that really ornithologically accurate right. Oriole on their hats, which I always thought was like actually really kind of cool. Yeah, it's like a Peterson drawing almost. Exactly, totally. Yeah. And in the 60s, they sort of had a weird, they had a weird like stick figure type one. It was like yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. just a bad, <laughs> like someone trying <laughs> to do a good drawing, but just not very good at it. Yet. Yeah, the ironic thing, I guess, is that the uh, the real ornithologically accurate image corresponded with the time that the bird was called Northern Oriole and not Baltimore yeah. Oriole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good point. Yeah, that's actually when they're probably the best too, right? The yeah, 80s right, right, right. Yeah, that was, so yeah. I don't know if that's a coincidence. The probably Cal not. Rican years, yeah. Right. right. Yeah, it seems like... Um, you know, with the minor league becoming such a big deal, there are all these sort of a lot of teams are kind of going into these really odd directions. Like they're really trying to find these obscure birds yeah. to uh, feature. Um, there was a the new team just announced in my home state of North Carolina in Fayetteville called the Woodpeckers, and the logo is uh, is is a red cockaded woodpecker, which you know makes sense. That. That's sort of like the core of red cockaded woodpeckers. That was it's very neat. It, it speaks to the power of sort of birds as symbols a lot. Yeah, you know. True. Um, yeah. You know, birds are, uh, you know, when you're having a sports team, especially a, a highly sort of localized one, mm -hmm. um, you know, birds are an example of something that people see around, something that is can be specific to their area yeah. or uh, and, and something that they can adopt easily. And so, mm -hmm. 
yeah, I think the woodpeckers is a great one, and I and I hope there are more. I mean, I have a hat from the Myrtle Beach Pelicans, mm-hmm. um, which is a mm-hmm. pretty cool logo. At one point, yeah. I did a search to try to find um, the most ornithologically accurate minor league sports team logos, which sounds <laughs> yeah. ridiculous now that I'm saying it out loud. But uh, <laughs> um, and some of those, the there's a, a Missoula Ospreys and the oh, Chuckers, cool. which are out west, um, yeah. are some pretty good ones. And so, you know, where the major league sports teams are lacking a lot, I think minor league teams can really make up for it in some very cool ways. Yeah. Well, I've been a fan of the St. Louis Cardinals longer than I've been a fan of the Redbirds longer than I've been a birder. Mm. And uh, yeah, you know, the logo is mostly accurate, except for the bill. I know you've pointed that out. That bill, before. man, that's a real sticking point for me all the time. <laughs> uh, yellow bill. No one know. ever gets the, the, bill co- the bill color correct on Cardinals. Yeah. I was yellow. I don't the know The eye why. color is wrong, too. They should be dark. And oh, it's, yeah, it's you yellow. about that. Yeah. yeah. Why, it's, it's, why do they do that? You, Nate, I, tell me, does the ABA know why? Like, I have no idea. It, it, does it is it cheaper to use yellow or something? I mean, maybe it shows up not more. I, I have no idea. Maybe people like to see the eye because uh, you know, yeah, the same way that photographers are always trying to focus on the eye. Uh, maybe, sure. Maybe there's something there. You know, there's some uh, anthropomorph. I'm blowing that word. Anthropomorphism. <laughs> yeah. There's some anthropomorphism going on, which I understand if you're trying to make a character for a for a mascot. But mm-hmm. the difference between uh, yellow and red, it's just accurate versus inaccurate. Yeah, which is what we see all the time. I mean, you know, movies and TV is the same way. There's a couple different ways that birds are misrepresented in movies and TV. There's obviously which ones are shown. So mm-hmm. all the time when you see a bird in a commercial or on in a movie, it's always just incorrect. There's yeah. you know, Indian or African vultures in the right. American West. Um, all these like Eurasian hawk owls um, showing up all over the place. Yeah. You you actually you actually looked into that, didn't you? you the reason why TV shows and, and movies use those sort of non-native birds as, as stand-ins. I did. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, you know, video folks get a pass uh, mm-hmm. because the Migratory Bird Treaty Act prevents the holding capture of um, North American species for commercial use. Mm-hmm. And so uh, a studio or, uh, you know, the animal handlers that run out to a studio, they can't grab a great horned owl or a barred owl or whatever right. um, because it's against the law. And yeah. I'm good with that. Uh, I would rather have this law in place than, you know, watch the movie with an accurate species. <laughs> um, so that uh, that's fine. The audio folks do not get a pass. No, I agree. Uh, yeah. Audio folks. I don't know what the answer is. I've talked to um, sound engineers who work in, in movies and they just don't have good. They're just lazy. I don't know. <laughs> Every time. You- is there like an, a catalog somewhere of like audio to use for like that, that Foley, the Foley work? Yeah. Is there like this place that this warehouse that they all get their stuff from? There are various programs out there that have um, sounds to offer. And there's various levels of detail in what the, you know, the files that they offer. Mm-hmm. But my, in my understanding is it's not super detailed in terms of what we would want, which is like, uh, no, not, you know, America birds, right. but, you know, Louisiana in spring. Right, in right, right. Yeah. Some year, which is, you know, what would be accurate. Um, sometimes it's just birds, you know, chirping birds or, you know, <laughs> scary birds and something, you know, sort of vague like that. Like house sparrows that have been like someone recorded house sparrows on a street <laughs> and they just like piping yeah. that in. Yeah. Yeah. Birds. Right. Birds. Labeled yeah. that. <laughs> there are also sound guys who have their own uh, personal stuff who, you know, want to either not buy the programs or whatever and use their own sounds. And so you, you get what you get from there. It's to the point where, you know, when I'm in the theater and I hear accurate birds, I want to stand up and start cheering, you know, because <laughs> um, the because 
99% of the time, the birds yeah. are just are, are totally wrong by, you know, content, continents away. Yeah. Yeah, I can recall two incidences relatively recently where, where it was it was correct. And I, I noted one of them on the podcast earlier. It was the, both on HBO, incidentally. It was the, the, the version of Fahrenheit 451 that they did a few months huh. ago where they had an image of a bald eagle and... The sound was a bald eagle, which is one of the worst offenders as far as bird oh sounds. God, the yeah. And the, but they actually did it correct, which I thought was right. really neat. And um, then there was another HBO show, I believe it was The Leftovers, which is kind of a weird prestige yep. drama. Uh, the third season was set in Australia, and I was watching it, and I, I heard a, a bird sound that I didn't recognize. And I thought, well, wouldn't it be funny if they actually got that correct and had like a fairy wren or something? And so I immediately went to Zenocanto and I looked up fairy wrens, and it turned out that that's what it was. So they that's actually amazing. went and got that right, uh, which is a bird that no one, very few people in the United States are going to recognize as correct. So that's level of attention the, to detail. Maybe prestige drama. Can the ABA give awards that. to that? Can the ABA give oh, Oscars? That would be a really good idea. To, yeah. Is that do a good job? Because yeah. we really need to promote it. You know, yeah. it's a big way. It's a, it's such a standout for us. Yeah. Um, that'd be great to correct. And on, you know, most of the time they're dead wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember, was Bloodline on HBO or Showtime? I think it may have been Showtime. Showtime. Well, they yeah. did a terrible job. Um, <laughs> that's one of the shows I remember in a number of ways got it all wrong they had all these yellow warblers singing in the middle of the night the show is set on the florida keys mm-hmm. um a lot of a lot of opportunity there to get that right a lot of, opportunity a lot of great birds for, yeah and i remember there's a scene that blew my mind um which is at uh, one point a, a guy is trying to distract another guy so he, he can murder him mm-hmm. and the way he distracts him is by saying oh hey look a flock of razor bills is flying over which is, clearly the person he's trying to distract is not a birder unless he wanted to, it was a birder and he wanted to make that person angry <laughs> yeah, I, think, well, I think so well and i was thinking you know if someone said that to me i would run out and to try to to try to well actually him uh, <laughs> his id and and thus yeah. put myself in the way of being murdered yeah um, you know yeah. if it was some bird that i probably already had on my county list i probably wouldn't even uh, raise my head right. so maybe it was uh, maybe it was a smart decision. I think they, the screenwriter just probably read that article about a razor bill invasion a couple years ago. Oh, and- that's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is this is an this is an opportunity where maybe sort of greater because uh, there's a lot of articles about birding in major news outlets in the last year sure. or so. Maybe this is one of those situations where uh, a little too much knowledge is a is a bad thing. I think you're probably right. I think yeah. you're probably right, and that's why. Uh, the ABA and the British should band together to <laughs> consult with TVs and movies to make sure it, yeah. it's all correct. Do you do you keep a list of birds that you hear in TV shows and movies? I know some birders who do that. No, I sh- I should, but there's only so much time in the right. day. Right. Do you only do so that? Many lists. No, I, yeah, it's one of those things that I um, if I if I recognize it, I'll uh, I'll point it out and be like, oh, right. yeah, that's interesting, but it's not anything I I write down. Well, that's a fine line too between yeah. really wanting destro- to destroy your enjoyment of uh, film and TV, you know, right. to be a constantly on guard. Yeah, uh, it's hard. I remember the the movie The Revenant, um, that mm-hmm. DiCaprio movie a couple years ago. Um, all of the bird sounds were wrong, were dead wrong. <laughs> they were all European birds, and I it really it took me out of the movie. I couldn't even yeah. watch it anymore because yeah. every time I'd hear a noise, I would just roll my eyes. <laughs> um, and, and for me, you know, to get it, when you hear that level of, uh, you know, incorrectness or, or wrongness, you start to wonder what else is wrong. You know, yeah. if, if this is trying to be a period piece with, with detailed historical accuracy and the birds are from a different continent, mm-hmm. 
um, it's just like, well, what else did they cut corners on? You know, yeah, I, I will say that I, I did keep a list, sort of a list of birds that I heard on the HBO show Game of Thrones. Mm. And um, and there's a lot of prairie warblers in Westeros. Yeah. And there are a lot of there's common nighthawks, but they do put those at night, which is nice. Um, but they I guess they do get a pass because the uh, that is a made up world. So they can have whatever birds <laughs> no. they want <laughs> in that place. Are the prairie warblers in prairie habitat? Sort of. I, I recall yeah. at least one time I do recall thinking, oh, look, this is, well, I mean, what? Prairie warblers like that kind of shrubby second growth sure. stuff. There's a lot of that yeah. in Westeros. Yeah, why not? Yeah. I could buy that. And yeah. maybe it's the same wormhole that got the Blackhawk to Maine. They just That's took right. that over to yeah. Westeros. Yeah. These birds know something we don't know. It's true. The, the vagrancy is a is an amazing thing that we know very little about. <laughs> so I, I want to talk a little bit about a new project that you you started. This uh, Google Street View birding. Yeah. How did how did that get started? Well, so Google Street View, of course, is the right little section on on Google Maps where uh, Google has taken this like three. 360 degree camera and place mm-hmm. it on top of a car or on top of a backpack and they drive all the streets that they can and walk all the trails that they can and then upload all that data into this you know crazy um follow along mapping thing where you mm-hmm. can zoom into any any street in the country and you know pretty much the world getting to the world uh and get a 360 degree view of what's going on there so i remember when that debuted i think it was like 2013 uh, you know, everybody rushed and said, oh, can I see my car in my parking lot or, mm-hmm. or right. et cetera? And then I did that. And then I quickly was like, well, I wonder if I can, you know, see any birds around in these things. Um, and so I quickly, you know, when there was a little break in work or between meetings or whatever, I would sort of putter around and see if I could find birds. And I, I could start to find birds. Mm-hmm. Um, and I so I would post on the blog every once in a while when I would um, sort of scour a new area and try to find species. And it was, it's a lot of fun. It's, um, in some respects, very like lame, you know, cause you're sitting there <laughs> at your computer and you're just rolling around the street looking around. But in, in other respects, uh, what are you going to do? You want to go birding, but you're stuck at your desk. So, you know, you don't mm-hmm. have a choice. And also it's surprisingly like real birding, you know, yeah. you're, you're scouring around an area, you're seeing, uh, you're getting bad looks at, um birds and you're trying to pull identifications from that and you're doing your best to see what's around and you get to travel the world you know i i i i'm not going to get down to um you know sulawesi anytime soon but um mm-hmm. google maps i can pop right down and i'm on the trail yeah um and so we did that for a couple of years which sort of me on the blog uh lucas bobe uh, from north carolina would do it mm-hmm. a little bit with me too and then a couple of weeks ago i was just like you know what this should this would be more fun as a uh, facebook group Mm-hmm. I'll see if there's any other weirdos out there who want to join. And so I started this Facebook Turns group out there's a lot. There's a ton of weirdos. <laughs> yeah. There's over 700 weirdos already. Yeah. And it's been just a really, it's been really nice uh, for me to see this community come in and really dive into it. Yeah. Um, in just over two weeks, folks have found over 540 different species. Yeah, that is staggering. Yeah. I remember when it started, I thought uh, 150, maybe, yeah. you yeah. know, it's waterfowl, incredible. gulls, but no. Most of all the gulls in the world, including an ivory gull, uh, <laughs> in, in none of it somebody found. Um, most of the sulids, there's like two, there's like Abbott's booby and Cape Gannet are the only ones we haven't found. <laughs> 
Um, tons of, uh, you know, because it's street view, so you're, you're sort of, um, you know, most of this is from a car. Mm-hmm. It's the birds that you'd expect, you know, um, right. drive by a marsh and you see herons and geese and ducks and there are martins and swallows flying overhead and like hawks soaring. So it's a lot of that stuff. It's also, you know, a, a, a guy found a vermilion flycatcher while they were hiking. There's bulbals. Yeah. Um, I found a, a Cobb's wren, this like endangered wren on the Falklands that was just under this guy's <laughs> feet as he was walking on a beach. Yeah. Um, it's nuts. It's really nuts. I think one of my favorites is the uh, red breast that not hatch that was picked up as a reflection yeah, in a yeah. window. <laughs> you know, you do all these funny things. Like, so we had this moment where we were like, oh, yeah, we got to try to find feeders that are by a road so we can yeah. try to see birds on the feeder. And so I was going into eBird and trying to find all the hotspots that had the <laughs> feeder in them yeah. to see if I could see them from the road. And so I was just like, you know, on some you know street corner in Milwaukee looking around yeah. and not seeing anything. But um, it, it's it's a lot of that. It's a lot of just sleuthing. And, um, and honestly, we work through IDs the same way that folks work through IDs yeah. in any other context where we, you know, look at the jizz and look at the likely species and, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, try to find the identification points. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we're doing a good job. Yeah. It's a real testament to the ability of people to identify birds from, you know, not great images. Cause you know, it's Google street view. They're, <laughs> totally. they're I mean, they're not great images to begin with. And, right. You know, it's even worse because the bird is often like a tiny speck in that, in the image, right. not even. Oh, and it's so frustrating because you do that yeah. little zoom in thing and then it just becomes, two <laughs> yeah, it becomes a line. And yeah. you're just like, oh, I know it's something, but it's been great. And I got to shout out Kevin and Sarah, the other moderators uh, mm-hmm. and people like Max and Noah and Larry, Jack, Aaron, Sam, Evan, uh, all the people who post a lot who have really made it just, just a fun thing. It's been really yeah. cool. Do you think that this, you know, this, this, this is kind of a fun side project, but do, do you see a way in this sort of this consciousness of all the birds around you in every context makes you maybe a more skilled birder or at least a more aware birder? I, definitely more aware. I mean, I yeah. think it's hard to, it's sort of a chicken and the egg problem, mm-hmm. a, a birding pun. You know, am, am I a birder because I am more aware of things or am I more aware because I'm more interested in birds? I don't know. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it, I certainly find myself like any birder staring out every single window and yeah. sort of um, scrutinizing things that I see. I don't know if one feeds into the other. I think I was probably this way to begin with and just didn't right. have an outlet. And so yeah. when I found birds, I was like, that's, that's it. It is and a it, great outlet remember, for that. Yeah. You know, it really felt that way. Yeah. Um, uh, and so, you know, what I'm hoping for Google street view birds is that I, I would love if Google let me wear the backpack and I could go, <laughs> you know, here in Maine to like yeah. or Monhegan in springtime yeah. and just, uh, you know, walk very close by some, some migrating birds. So you yeah. can up the numbers. That's the end goal for this. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah. I do. I actually do have a, an interesting story where, where I was on a Hawk Watch platform at Kip to Peak in Virginia and the Google Street View car came by. Oh, no way. And yeah. And it pulled into the parking lot and like I was with another Hawk Watcher and we just put our binoculars up and we we're watching it. And uh, like six months later, we were up on Google Street View. No way. And I was like birders staring at the at the car. Yeah, it was actually. Oh, yeah, we'll that's have my, to find that. Oh, they took it down though. Unfortunately, it's not a street view at the Hawk Watch anymore, which I was very some disappointed. Of them, some of them have a slider where you can go back yeah. in time. I'm not I'll sure. Have if to they check are. that. Yeah, this. So this is funny like, you say that because just today someone found um, the first time I'd seen this, which was the, an image of birders. Uh, it was in Oregon, I think. Uh, an image of birders on Street View, and then went in and found the eBird checklist from those birders that they had. <laughs> oh <submitted>. man, <laughs> just, that is wow! That is like 
it was, it's like it's, a picture of a picture of a picture. It's yeah, <laughs> we're spinning. It's a rhombus right now. We're spinning yeah. around. Yeah, uh, a, a Mobius strip, not rhombus. Yeah, sorry. that's right. Um, and uh, you know, so what I think we're going to try to do now is look at that checklist and try to find you know find birds <laughs> and focus so on that. That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, it's good times, man. We're having yeah. we're, we're having fun, and that's what you know. That's you know that's what I like to do a lot. I mean, I'm glad to have fun birding. This is a fun group, you know. That's not yeah. not a lot of heavy handed ID folks, and not a lot of gatekeepers on that. We're all yeah. just sort of contributing to this large weird project. Right, you can find the Google Image Street View Birding Group on Facebook. You know, come and come and help us add to the more than 500 species that birders have discovered. It's amazing. Uh, Nick is the birdist on Twitter and Facebook. I would encourage you to follow him and look out for stuff in Audubon. Nick, this was fun. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Nate. Take care. Hey, folks, I have a critical mass of email correspondence. So let's do a mailbag. First message comes from Greg Bodker of Houghton Lake, Michigan. He writes that in response to the best Bird Books episode from a couple weeks ago, he purchased the Birds of Central America field guide, and he loves it. Thanks for the message, Greg. Yes, it is a spectacular field guide. In the time since Donna Shulman and I talked about it, it has kind of caused me to think back about my favorite non-ABA area field guides. Uh, this includes guides of places that I have never visited and may never visit. That's fine. I still love the field guides. This would be a great discussion, come to think of it. This one definitely, this new Central America guide definitely comes up in my top five. Uh, others that off the top of my head uh, I can think of are the, the Collins Birds of Europe, uh, published by Princeton in North America. In my mind, that is the platonic ideal of a field guide. So, so well done. I uh, also love the Quentin and Karen Phillips, uh, Birds of Borneo. Really cool guide, all sorts of neat natural history tidbits to an amazing part of the world. If listeners out there have any world guides that they love, please let me know. Uh, we could probably turn this into an episode down the road. Roger Cowles of Weymouth, Massachusetts writes to tell me that the puns at the end of each episode are simply awful. Uh, those are his words, but he likes them all the same. Thanks, Roger. I, I knew there was a reason I keep doing them. Uh, you know, I record by myself, so it's hard to know whether or not those jokes, uh, and I use jokes loosely and in quotation marks, uh, it's hard to know whether they're landing. So you know, I just assume that I'm killing it. Uh, it's really safer that way. Alex Landberg writes to thank me for the reference to bird-themed soccer crests, a particular hobby of his as well. And he points me to the Icelandic club, uh, Valjur Reykjavik, which features a, a jeer falcon, uh, which is pretty awesome. Uh, my personal favorites in that genre are um, ADO Den Haag uh, from the Netherlands, which has a, a big white stork on it, and also the crest of the national team of Japan, which has actually an ornithologically accurate large-billed crow uh, which is uh, which is neat because it's it's a bird that features in a lot of East Asian mythology. Uh, and just so that this feature isn't all the the Nate Admiration Society, uh, Tim Hahn writes to take issue with my word choice in a previous episode, specifically where I say Middle America when I'm talking about the Americas from Mexico through Panama. Uh, he's right, of course. You know, Middle America can also describe the middle part of the United States, uh, the Midwest, and the Great Lakes states. So. I understand the confusion. The problem is, of course, that there is no really good way to talk about Central America and North America. Uh, from a biogeography standpoint, North America is this huge area that includes Canada and the United States, minus Hawaii, but also including Greenland and much of Mexico. 
Uh, but we in the English-speaking part of the continent have always sort of forgotten Mexico, which is unfair and also inaccurate. So we say sort of Central America, which technically speaking should not include Mexico, or at least not all of Mexico. Indeed, the birds of Central America that I talked about earlier does not include Mexico as well. So it, it is a bit of a mess. Uh, so while I in, intended to be more precise, I actually sort of ended up being less precise. So sorry about that. I'll try to be better. Thanks for the messages. I enjoy hearing from all of you, even if it is critical. Keep them coming. If you have any questions about birds or the ABA or anything you'd like me to respond to, hit me up on Twitter, Facebook, or at podcast.aba.org. The American Birding Podcast is brought to you by the American Birding Association. Jeff mentioned this at the top, but I'm going to mention it again. The ABA is in the middle of our end-of-the-year appeal. If you enjoy this podcast and any of the other free resources the ABA provides, throw us a few bucks. It helps us keep this thing going. You can find more information at aba.org gift. You can also join the ABA. We love that, too. The gift that keeps giving year-round. Get more information at aba.org join. Special shout-out to Paul Leonard and Claire Stike of... Fairbanks, Alaska. Boy, I hope that I got that one right. Michael Stevens of Alameda, California. David Minich of Hendersonville, North Carolina. And Ignatius Frost of Bellingham, Washington, uh, who notes that Ignatius and his triplet sisters, Eliza and Beatrix, are frequent listeners of the American Birding Podcast. That's great. Three for one. Executive producer of the podcast and president of the ABA is Jeff Gordon. As a child, he wrote an angry letter to Warner Brothers arguing that the Roadrunner does not look like any species of Roadrunner at all. It actually looks more like a chicken. And they don't say meep meep. They go cuckoo cuckoo. Though Daffy Duck could conceivably be an American black duck. Technical production is by John Lowry. He urges the Atlanta Falcons to get their act together and fix their terrible, inaccurate logo. You know, or just drop the N and name the team after star of stage and screen Edie Falco. Additional help comes from David Hartley and Greg Neese. They have come to justify the omnipresent common loon as spooky bird sound in televisions and movies by arguing that they do migrate at night, especially foggy nights. Especially foggy nights in areas with a high density of monsters and or axe murderers. You can find us online at aba.org, on Facebook at facebook.com slash birders, and on Twitter at ABA. Any Hollywood types listening, we can help you make your television show or movie ornithologically accurate. Just imagine a moving love scene, a tearful reunion. It's late September. Sun goes down. Stars come out. The keening cries of migrating gray-cheeked thrushes are heard overhead. One of the, one of the principals can pause, look overhead, and say... That one's a Bicknell's. Cut. Print it. Call the Academy. You know where to find us. Questions and comments can come to podcast.aba.org. I'm Nate Swick. Thanks for listening. Till next time. What's your What's your impression of me? All right. So it's a couple of things. Uh, yeah. Hey, everybody. This is Nate Swick. And I'm this is the latest edition of the American Birding Podcast. <laughs> That's it. That's it's nice. It. Thanks.